This is Gary W. Johnson, a.k.a. The Vintage Gentleman, coming to you with something that might inspire you, empower you, and motivate you to be a better version of yourself. There's a lot of things going on in life. There's a lot of things going on in this world. And a lot of people have very um, heavy issues they have to deal with. And a lot of it uh, comes with relationships. Uh, some of it come with your children. Uh, some of it come with, you know, your parents. Uh, today, I wanted to uh, talk about Father's Day and what Father's Day meant to me and what my father uh, did for me in life as I was growing up uh, to help me be the man that I am today. Now, I grew up in a household with mother and father, and during that time, I can remember from early childhood uh, the example that my father set, uh, being a man that was, you know, uh, coming home at nights, he wasn't the kind of man that was, you know, like out rowdy and staying out all night and doing things like that. Uh, my father, I uh, can recall like my early uh, experiences, we uh, lived in the projects uh, in uh, Dallas, Texas, in South Dallas. We lived in the projects and my father, he was the kind of guy that he knew no strangers. And I loved, you know, just being around my father. Uh, he was the kind of guy, he was always upbeat. Uh, I never heard him use profanity. You know, in all of the days of his life, when I was around him, I'd never heard him use any profanity. Uh, unfortunately, my father died at an early age, the age of 60. But, uh, you know, he was around for that many years and he instilled a lot of things in me that, you know, carry over to my nephews and to uh, my friends and, you know, my family members. And I share things that my father gave me and I share with others uh, who are receptive. But anyway, early on in the projects, I can remember my father was a truck driver, um, a local truck driver, and uh, he uh, used to come home sometimes and my uh, sister, which was three years younger than myself, my sister and I, we would rush and, and race to get to my father when he would be getting off of work and we'd wait on him every evening as he would uh, get out of his car and start walking toward, you know, our, our home in the projects. And uh, my uh, sister, uh, I can remember maybe, I guess I was about, you know, five years old or something like that. She was probably a couple of years old. And so uh, we'd run and we'd like not really tackle him, but we'd lock on to uh, one leg and he'd walk, walk and just be walking with us and she'd have one leg and I'd have the other leg and you know he'd laugh he got a kick out of it and we were thrilled because you know our father was home and uh, we found so much joy in doing that and uh, we like competed doing that trying to race to see who would be the first one to get to him you know every day I can also remember my father uh, when uh, I got, you know, a little older where I could ride a bicycle, 
my father bought uh, a bicycle for uh, me, my uh, my brother that was two years older, and I had a brother that was six years older. And uh, at that time, it was three boys and one girl, and the sister that was three years younger, at that time, she was a baby. <laughs> and it might sound funny and strange, but, you know, I was glad to be called the knee baby at that time. That's what that was called, you know, at that point. But anyway, uh, I wasn't the baby, but my father called me the knee baby. And uh, anyway, enjoyed that until the family grew and uh, I was no longer the knee baby. But anyway, uh, my father, he uh, bought bicycles for my oldest brother, uh, my second oldest brother and myself and uh, he would pump me on the handles. And we lived uh, in a part of the project that was close to a lake uh, called the Blue Lake. And my father would get off work. And when he would get off work, uh, the three of us, well, the four of us, I would say, my older brothers, uh, two older brothers, uh, my father and myself, my father would you know, be pumping me. He'd have me like on the handlebars and he'd be riding the bicycle with me. And this is after he'd gotten off of work and everything. So anyway, uh, we had uh, a lot of good times, but uh, things weren't the way my father uh, actually uh, wanted them in the projects. And I can recall uh, as a child, you know, sometimes you walk up on adults and when adults are talking, they'll always tell you, hey, look, go play somewhere, adults are talking now. But I walked up on them before they realized I was there. And uh, my father was talking to one of his sisters. And uh, he actually had uh, three sisters uh, that were living in the projects, you know, which were my aunts. And uh, so anyway, uh, I heard him telling them that the projects was no place to raise a kid. And uh, he wanted out. And he ended up leaving the projects uh, before his sisters. And uh, we moved out of the projects. I was uh, going to the second grade. And uh, anyway, we moved to an area where we uh, had a house that we were renting. And uh, my father and mother, they always, uh, you know, took us to church, you know, on Sunday mornings. And my father was uh, one of the urchins at the church. And uh, when programs came up, like, you know, Easter programs and things like that, they would always get us involved, and I can remember, uh, you know, speeches and things like that. And uh, my father, you know, he was, you know, quite a talker himself, and uh, he always made sure that we got involved in and in doing things, you know, in the church. And uh, you know, anyway, uh, after we uh, left the projects and everything, uh, my father, he was always uh, a provider. Uh, he was a protector. Uh, he was a military man. He had uh, gone to the military and, you know, served his tour of duties and everything. And so he had certain ways that he would do certain things. And uh, I can remember on Sunday mornings uh, when my father would lay his suit out to uh, get ready to go to church, there was a little uh, broom that you would just hold in your hand uh, and I think he called it a swish broom or something like that. And once he lay his suit out, he would tell me to go and get that little broom. And my father, what he would do was take that little broom, and if it was like any ravels or any kind of lint 
or anything on his suit, he would brush it to where you couldn't see anything on it. And uh, he was, you know, really a neat guy. And uh, he was the kind of guy that, you know, uh, he shaved regularly and things like that. You know, he didn't grow a beard, anything like that. And uh, he would be getting ready for church and he'd be humming certain songs, you know, gospel songs. And uh, this was just uh, something that he did, you know, on a regular basis. Uh, uh, not something to impress me or anything like that, but you walk up on him shaving and he'd be humming a you know gospel song or something like that. Anyway, as uh, you know, the family grew and everything like that, we ended up moving uh, to a few different places. And I can remember uh, the first, I guess I guess I could call it a job, but the first job that I had that my father uh, got for me, I really didn't want the job. That job was selling newspapers. There was a, a newspaper, which was a local black newspaper in Dallas called the Post Tribune. And so my father wanted me to sell the Post Tribune. And I was in the fifth grade and I didn't want to do it. And so anyway, with the Post Tribune, you had to just go and knock on doors and, you know, see if uh, a grown up wanted to buy a newspaper. And I think at that time, a newspaper probably cost uh, maybe about 15 cents. And I would get a nickel off of each newspaper. Anyway, uh, I didn't want to do that. And so after I did that for a while, uh, my father got me another job. Uh, <laughs> I didn't volunteer for the job. He got the job for me. He wanted me to throw newspapers. And at that time, there was a newspaper in Dallas called the Dallas Morning News. And so I would throw the newspapers, and uh, when it was time to go and collect the money, I didn't want to do that part. Throwing the newspaper was kind of fun to me, uh, but going to collect the money, you know, I was in the fifth grade, and you know, I'm a child, and you know, not that like a uh, an adult was like a giant or anything like that, but I wasn't used to having conversations with strangers that were uh, adults. And for me to go and collect my money, uh, I was a little uh, withdrawn and kind of a shy guy and uh, didn't want to do it. And when I complained to my father about it, and I'm like, Daddy, why do I have to do this? My father told me, he said, son, he said, you need to know how to talk to people. And that was his way of kind of like throwing me in the water and making me swim. He said that I needed to know how to talk to people. And to this day, I've got a great appreciation for that. Uh, I'm, you know, somewhat of a social butterfly. Uh, I'm an extrovert. I'm not an introvert. And I can sit down and hold conversations uh, with a complete stranger. And we can laugh and talk about things. And we connect. So I've got that knack for connecting with people. And uh, I think I can contribute that to my father, which instilled that in me. And uh, he also, after I threw newspapers, he had me uh, uh, cutting a neighbor's yard that he knew, uh, which was one of our church members. And uh, so it was another way of me making money. And uh, my father wanted me to stay active and, and doing things like that. And so anyway, as time passed, uh, and my father, you know, being an example that, you know, uh, a father should be, 
Um, I never saw him, you know, being abusive, uh, you know, like abusing my mother, cursing my mother out, and really never heard either one of them use profanity. But, uh, you know, I uh, uh, was exposed to a real man being a father, and he was a, a nice guy, but at the same time, he was very serious. And I can remember that uh, at one point, sometimes if someone would park in front of our, our house, like if they were visiting somebody else, and my father came home and saw the car, <laughs> my father would uh, not be real happy with that at all. And he would go and knock on doors until he found out who the car belonged to. And uh, he wasn't the kind of person that he was going to scream and yell or anything like that. But he was just always serious, had that serious expression on his face and had that tone. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> I can remember as a teenager uh, when some of my friends would come and visit me and uh, they'd see my father and uh, they would say, man, your dad, man, he looked like he he's a mean dude, man, like. Man, like he'll kill somebody, man. <laughs> and uh, I would laugh and I would say, man, my daddy, he's nice, man. My daddy's real nice. I said, but he's got a shotgun in there, and <laughs> which he did. You know, he had a shotgun in the closet. Uh, my father, he really didn't play, uh, you know. So anyway, uh, I uh, never got you know, to a point to where, as, you know, he was abusive to me or anybody else, uh, you know, as far as the children in the family. Uh, he was stern and he had his way of doing things, you know, so uh, uh, with him, you had to do something. Uh, if it was nothing but picking up the paper out of the yard, and sometimes I'd see little bitty small pieces of paper and I'm like, Daddy, do I have to pick that up too? And we're talking, I'm probably in the, uh, you know, sixth, seventh grade or something like that, and he'd have me just going out in the yard picking up papers, and he would say, Son, if you can see it, pick it up. So no matter how small the paper was, if it was something I could see, he wanted me to pick it up. And he was like sitting on the porch watching me to make sure that I was picking the paper up uh, out of the yard to make sure that our yard was clean. And uh, there were times he would just call me and say, Son, I need you to sweep the sidewalk off. And these were things that I really didn't, you know, want to do. But I mean, I would do it anyway. It was like doing some chores. And uh, it wasn't like going out chopping wood or doing anything like that, you know. But uh, this was like one of the ways that he was setting uh, a foundation and giving me structure. And some things I didn't fully understand at that time. But as I grew, uh, understood, you know, what he was trying to do and what he was trying to establish in me. And uh, so anyway, I would have to sweep the sidewalk and it was a pretty long sidewalk and, you know, sweeping the sidewalk until everything was clean. And after it was over, I really felt good about it because it really made our yard look better. I mean, just sweeping the sidewalk. And so anyway, there were other things that he would have uh, me and my brothers doing like uh, every night, uh, the kitchen trash can Whatever was in there, I mean, you know, we would have to take it and put it in a bigger trash can that was like in the back of the house until it was trash day for the trash to go out to the curb. And when it was trash day, 
if it was your time to take the trash out, you'd have to take it out. And my father was, you know, real serious about that. I can recall sometimes that, you know, me and uh, maybe my uh, older brother, and then I had a baby brother that was a little younger. Uh, if it was my time to take the trash out, just from uh, the inside, the kitchen trash can to the outside, if I fell asleep and I didn't take it out, my father, when he would come home at night, he would wake you up, make you get out of the bed, take that trash out. I mean, so if you didn't want him to wake you up at night, you would always make sure that you were taking the trash from the inside, taking it outside. And if it was time for it to go to the curb, you'd make sure you do it. Because if not, he was going to get you up out of bed, break your sleep, and make you take the trash out. So these were different things that he did and he instilled in me. And uh, I can recall also it was certain times that uh, I had different things that, you know, I was trying to uh, maybe accomplish or solve a problem or fix something. And if I was having some problems doing it, I would go to my father and ask my father about it. Like maybe if I was doing it right or if I was coming up with the right things and, you know, so whatever the solution was, my father wouldn't tell me. He would always say, Gary, son, what do you think? And, you know, I might say, well, I don't know. He said, well, well, think about it, son, think about it. He said, use common sense. Use your mother with sense. And he would constantly tell me that and then if I would tell him something, he would say, what do you think? And he would do that until I came up with the right answer. And that would be like a, a exercise for me in using common sense, coming up with a solution. And he instilled that in me. And I have such a great appreciation for that today uh, because I've known people that, you know, can be really educated and you've sure you've heard the term, you know, an educated fool, but uh, just because you have education, that doesn't always mean that that person has common sense. And uh, that was something that I have a great appreciation uh, for my father because he uh, forced me to figure things out and to use common sense. And, uh, you know, I try to, you know, pass it on. I've got uh, two daughters and I try to pass it on to them and establish the same thing with them and uh, making sure that the things that my father gave me that I could pass on, you know, I always do that. And, you know, not just with my daughters, but, you know, I've got, you know, nephews and, you know, things like that. And so anyway, I would uh, always uh, uh, think about some of those things that my father instilled in me like that. He uh, had a lot of respect for himself. He had a lot of respect for, you know, mankind, period. And when I say mankind, it wasn't just like if he saw like a black neighbor that he knew or a black stranger that he would help. I can recall my father talking to, you know, white men. And we would like be going out of town and, you know, maybe it's a long trip and we're going on the highway uh, going back to his hometown, which might take, you know, maybe three hours or so. And so, uh, 
you know, if we were like coming back home or something like that from a long trip and we're ready to get back home, I can recall that uh, some guy was having a problem on the highway and uh, my father pulled over to help him. And uh, this was a white guy, you know. And, uh, you know, at this time, you know, there were some areas where, you know, whites were really prejudiced, you know, uh, against blacks, you know, in the little small town where my father grew up. Uh, I can even remember seeing signs, you know, at a laundromat, uh, signs saying whites only. And, you know, I'm like living in the city of Dallas, you know, and I'm like, whoa, you know, uh, but that was something that I actually saw with my own eyes. But my father, uh, he, uh, as a young man, grew up in those areas. And, uh, you know, he came to Dallas, you know, before he went to the military and everything. So he didn't just stay there, you know, for years and years. But he grew up uh, in those areas in the atmosphere of those things. But he didn't let that uh, turn him uh, to the point to whereas if he saw a white person that he hated him and didn't want to do anything with him and engage in conversation because my father would do it. And, you know, we would be like in the car waiting for him to hurry up and help this guy out uh, so we could get back on the road and being a kid, you know, being antsy and ready to get back from going way off into the country to get back to the city of Dallas. And, uh, you know, I'd ask my father, Daddy, why'd you do that? You don't even know that guy. You know, oh, Gary's son, he needed some help, son. He needed some help. And, uh, you know, I'm like, whoa. You know, so I've seen him do that. I've seen him go off into a service station. You know, if we were traveling on the road, my father would be standing up, maybe talking to a white guy and, you know, he'd have his hand on his shoulder and talking and laughing. And, you know, after it was over, you know, I would ask my father, Dad, where you know him from? He said, Gary's son, I didn't know him. But if you saw them engaging in conversation, you would think they were buddies because that was the kind of man that my father was. And so I was exposed to that. And uh, so anyway, he used to tell me sometimes, Gary's son, it don't hurt to speak to people. You know, even if you were at odds with people and you had your differences, he told me, he said, Gary, son, it don't hurt to speak to people. And so anyway, with those things, you know, all of that, you know, rubbed off on me. Uh, like they say, you're a product of your environment. And uh, I was raised uh, in that environment, uh, not just my father, but, you know, this is about Father's Day. Uh, but, you know, my mother would even tell me, you know, Gary, you're supposed to love everybody, you know, so... Uh, uh, that's what it was like in my household. And my father was a prime example of that. It didn't matter if you were black or white. It was across the board. That's the way he was. And uh, he taught me about, you know, uh, getting past some of the challenges. If I didn't like a particular neighbor, if that neighbor spoke to me, and there was one right across the street from me, uh, if uh, I didn't like the neighbor, and I was talking to my dad, and I told him I didn't like him. You know, he would tell me to speak to him anyway. Son, it doesn't hurt to speak, you know. But anyway, those were things that he instilled in me. And uh, taking care of business, um, you know, he wanted me to always do the things that I was supposed to do. And, uh, you know, not be dragging my feet about, you know, doing those particular things. And, you know, doing things in a timely manner. And uh, uh, he always... Uh, stress that if you 
uh, used one of his tools or something like that, you had to put things back where you got it from. I could be playing football up the street with my friends, sound like football, and he would call me home, and if I had, let's say, a screwdriver or something, and maybe I set it, you know, on a little shelf, but I didn't put it back in the toolbox, he would say, son, he said, that's not where you found that screwdriver. I said, yeah, dad. He said, where'd you find it? I said, well, I got it out of the toolbox. He said, son, put the tool, put the uh, screwdriver back in the toolbox. He said, son, always put things back where you got them from. And to this very day, I'm the same way. Uh, if I was at work doing something and I used somebody's tool or something like that, you know, wherever I got it from, I would always, in a, in a timely manner, I would always take it back and put it where I got it from because that was something that my father instilled in me and I have such a great appreciation for that. And uh, he also, uh, you know, uh, was telling me about life. Uh, something had gone down one night and, you know, my friends and I, you know, we were, you know, talking. And so after my friends left, he was talking to me. And I don't know, I was probably about maybe 14. I don't think I was 15 years old yet. And uh, my father said, uh, Gary, son, you think those are your friends? I'm like, yeah, Dad, those are my friends. He says, son, he said, in life, you're going to have fair-weather friends. But he never explained to me what fair-weather friends were. And as a teenager, you know, I'd listen to him, but I didn't get the full extent of what he was saying. But later in life, uh, when I had gotten into a jam and I had helped certain friends out, and then uh, when the friend you know, wasn't there for me the way I was there for him, then it came back to me what my father said when I was 14 years old. You got fair weather friends. And I realized what he was saying, like when everything is good, if you're going through the storms of life and those friends are there for you, those are your real friends. But when things get shaky and you're going through the storms of life, those friends that are not real friends those are the ones that's not going to be there for you. And those are your fair weather friends. When things are good, they're there. When things are not good, they're not going to be there for you. And uh, I had such a great appreciation for that when he, uh, you know, told me about fair weather friends. And uh, I can remember that uh, uh, when uh, my father... Uh, was telling me uh, certain things in life I didn't want to listen. In fact, we bumped heads and I ended up uh, not running away from home, but leaving home because he wanted me to be at home at midnight. You know, I was, you know, 16 years old and I had friends that were staying out after midnight and, you know, I felt like I should be able to stay out after midnight. Uh, but his rules were I could not be out there after midnight. And I didn't fully understand exactly, but as I grew in life and became an adult myself, I knew exactly what he was talking about. After midnight, that's when trouble seems to happen. And if you're out with, you know, a car full of guys or something like that, 
and the police see you out there and, you know, things will happen. And he didn't want anything to happen to me. And he wanted to make sure that I was going to be taken care of and he didn't have to worry about me. And so if I was at home at midnight, well, then he would be okay. And so uh, uh, I kind of was kind of like a little maverick and decided I didn't want to. And so there was a, a cousin. I decided to leave home and stay with a cousin. After that, uh, I decided maybe, eh, maybe I'll go to the military or something, you know, just to get away because my father and I were kind of at odds with each other. But then that was my fault. And uh, so anyway, um, he uh, uh, talked me out of going to the military and uh, told me as long as I could, you know, listen to what he had to say and do the things that, uh, you know, he was suggesting that I would do that, you know, I could come back home. And, uh, you know, so he was happy that I decided to not go to the military and I uh, came back home. Uh, my mother, you know, of course, was happy about that too because I had a brother that had already been to Vietnam. You know, he lived through it, but uh, he had been to Vietnam. But, you know, there were a lot of families that were losing loved ones in Vietnam. And so they didn't want me to go off to Vietnam. And, you know, I didn't have to because uh, if you had one uh, child in your family that had already been drafted and gone to the military, they weren't going to pick another son. And so anyway, I was just doing that on my own. But before I could get sworn in and everything, I decided against it and uh, didn't go. So anyway, uh, uh, as a little... <laughs> A little child, I remember I used to love to try to sit in my dad's lap and uh, try to drive the car, uh, you know, steer the car. <laughs> but anyway, as I uh, uh, got in my early teens and uh, we go to the rural area sometime, he would teach me how to drive and uh, tell me about the various signs on the road, you know, uh, whether it was like conjunction or merger, uh, you know, uh, taught me about you know, what would be the East or West and different things like that. And uh, real helpful to me. And to this day, you know, I uh, learned how to read signs and things because I would always ask my father questions about it as we would be driving and I see certain signs and I would always ask him about that. And so uh, he uh, taught me how to read those signs and you know, follow the directions east and west and taught me about, you know, the way the sun comes up and all of that and when the sun sets and, you know, the north and south and all that. He taught me that. And so, anyway, those are some things that uh, my father taught me that uh, I have a great appreciation for, uh, helped mold me and uh, make me into the man that I am today. Uh, and there were other little things, you know, like... Uh, he would tell me about, uh, and so uh, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time, but I just want to take a little time out with it being Father's Day uh, to just uh, acknowledge and talk about some of the things that my father instilled in me. Uh, there's probably a lot of young men that would love to be a father to their sons, but uh, sometimes when you uh, are not married and you have a child with a young lady, uh, if things don't work out, uh, sometimes a young lady will use that child and maybe not let you see that child or something of that nature. So 
she feels like she's punishing you, but she's really punishing the child because now this child uh, doesn't have his father and his father would love to be a part of the child's life, but that mother of the child is using the child and sometimes they'll have the nerve to say that that father is a deadbeat father, you know, and so it's unfortunate, but, you know, um, like there's a saying, uh, the games never stop, players just stop playing. And women have been playing those games for years, and unfortunately, they'll probably continue to play them, um, you know, but again, it's the child that suffers if a little boy, you know, can't spend time with his father, and a little boy is being told some things that are not true, and uh, doesn't really think his father really care because of what he's being told and he doesn't see his father in his life not realizing that his father has been put in a position where he can't be in his life and be the father that uh, you know he needs to be for his son so anyway uh, these are things that are happening in life and uh, like I said a lot of things going on in the world uh, a lot of these young men that's you know not going to have their father, um, they might end up uh, doing well in life, uh, being successful, finishing high school, going to college, getting married and things of that nature. But a lot of them are going to fall by the wayside. Uh, if they live long enough, you know, they may end up in prison, you know, uh, they may just be abusive or something like that because of the anger that they have and some things that are pent up within them because they didn't have that father figure in their life. So I'm real grateful today uh, that my father was there and my father was the man that he was. And all of that, you know, helped me be the man that I am. And with me being the man that I am, I'm still on a journey and I'm trying to knock off rough edges and polish up because I'm all about being a better version of myself. I celebrated Father's Day yesterday with my daughters. My two daughters, they took me out to dinner. And someone had asked me, uh, your daughter's gonna buy you a gift? I said, I'm not really expecting a gift from my daughters. I said, they're gonna take me out to dinner. I said, with them sharing their time and knowing that they love me, I said, that love, that's a gift enough for me. And it is. Because a kid can buy you something, but if they really don't love you and don't care about you, what does the material things mean anyway? When you know your child loves you and appreciates you and shows the gratitude uh, in trying to spend time with you and show you love for you being the father that you were to them, you know, I mean, to me, that's huge. And uh, my daughters love me and they know I love them. But anyway, uh, it's time to close this one out. I'm not going to take up any more time, but hopefully uh, with me sharing that, um, it might uh, inspire someone or empower someone uh, or motivate someone to be a better version of themselves. If you hadn't stepped up the plate to the plate to be the father that you know you need to be, you know, step up to the plate. Uh, if you've been slacking a little bit, you know, Tighten up, you know, because we only have one chance to be a father in their life and time is constantly passing 
And so we don't know how long we're going to be here, but it's almost our appointed duties to uh, get uh, our children, you know, whether it's a son or daughter, to get them ready for the world. And so if we're doing what we need to do, being an example for them and sharing some of our life lessons with them, uh, I think that's our way of giving back. And I think that we should try to give back. So on that note, I'm getting ready to close this one out. And uh, I want to extend a happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there that's being fathers uh, and just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Keep that banner flying high because they'll never forget it and you'll never regret it.